Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, W. Kamau Bell and Kate Schatz tell us about their new anti-racist activity book, Do the Work. Nick, what I've been thinking about a lot recently is the making the revolution irresistible. I think that's what I'm trying to wait to like... Look, I know we don't want to talk about this stuff, but we have to talk about this stuff or the all of American civilization collapses into the ground. <laughs> so, like, why don't we try to figure out a different way to talk about it? But first, this week was gloriously filled with some high-profile, low-stakes celebrity gossip, and I want to get into it. With us this week, we have Christina Tucker. She's a Philadelphia-based writer and co-host of the Autostraddle podcast, Wait, Is This a Date? Christina, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Also here is Margaret Willison. She's a Boston-based culture writer and podcaster with Not Sorry Productions. Margaret, welcome back. Hi, Greta. Okay, so we have to start with this cup of tea that just keeps on giving because (laughs) there is a film. It comes out later this month. It's called Don't Worry, Darling. It premiered at the Venice Film Festival last weekend. And wow, wow, wow. I just like don't really know where to begin with this one. Either you have been like inundated with content about this all week or you have no idea what I'm talking about. So in the interest of sort of finding that middle ground, um, if you haven't already been following it, here's the 101 version. The film is directed by Olivia Wilde. Her boyfriend is Harry Styles. He's also in it. So is Florence Pugh and Chris Pine. It's a hell of a cast. It's extremely possible that the movie is terrible. And on top of that, at least based on how all of these people behaved at the press junket, it seems like they may all hate each other. Um, <laughs> Harry has said some really uh, unnuanced things about the film <laughs> while Chris just like stares into the void. Let's listen to that. You know, my favorite thing about the movie is like it feels like a like a movie. <laughs> it feels like a real like, you know, go to the theater film movie that you know you you kind of the reason why you go to watch something on the big screen (laughs) it's giving i didn't do the reading in class and i have to say something God. So, yeah, this whole situation has just like become the source of a number of excellent memes and rumors and jokes all week. There is so much going on here. Uh, Christina, what is your favorite part? (laughs) This is like the exact kind of celebrity gossip slash drama I live for. It like is it has like almost no stakes. Like who cares if these people that I don't know don't like each other? Like it doesn't really matter in any way, shape or form. But it also is still something that I get to, like, watch and participate in and, Mm -hmm. like, make up my own narratives in my mind and just have, like, a fun time online, which I think everyone can agree is a perishingly rare Mm. uh, thing that happens. (laughs) It's pretty rare that I log on and see a lot of activity and say, oh, this is fun. Um, So I I have to give it up to them for giving me that experience and for giving me photos of, you know, Chris Pine being an Instagram mom and taking photos of Florence Pugh like she's going 
going to prom. It's just really, really good stuff. I just really want to salute the men for becoming involved because Mm -hmm. for a long time, the narrative was like Florence and Olivia don't Mm. like each other. And then it was just like, I was like, oh, like, can I lean into this gossip or is it just like we're pitting two women against each other? And I had to have mixed feelings about it. But suddenly there's just a Pruder film where maybe Harry Styles spit on Chris (laughs) Pine and just like a a gorgeous array of Chris Pine disassociating at various different press events. And just I was like, finally, now it's fun again. (laughs) The men are here. It's wacky. I don't have to have moral complications about it. And then also the other best thing, when the men got involved, amazing. The next level thing, though, was when the stylists got involved. (laughs) The stylist was really kind of like the chef's kiss on top of it all. Like that was a gift I couldn't even imagine that I deserved. You just and you have to be so online to know this information because not only do you have to know who Olivia Wilde and Florence Pugh stylists are or pay attention to people who might know that or who might know people who know that you also have to know like one one stylist Olivia Wilde says something that's like pretty obviously about the drama which is like there's there's like more sides to the story there's there's, there are always more sides Mm -hmm. to the story and it's like yeah 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 okay stylist (laughs) but the important caption is that Florence Pugh's stylist captioned her like carousel of uh, Pugh's looks on Instagram, Miss, Miss Flo, uh, right? Yep. And you're like, oh, cute, cute little nickname. What you don't yep. know direct reference. is that that is not a cute little <laughs> yep. nickname. That is a direct reference to uh, honestly the most embarrassing thing to come out of this, which is a video Olivia Wilde made for Shia LaBeouf, who she claims to have fired from the film, actually begging him to stay, wherein she seems to say she can sort of manage, quote unquote, Miss Flo. Yeah. When I got to that comment, the way Mm. I gasped. You know, it's funny because when I first saw the comment about Miss Flo, I was skimming intensely and thought that it was a weird (laughs) allusion to Olivia being very crabby because she was on her period. Uh, that is so funny. <laughs> I mean, so I was relieved that it wasn't that, but yeah, the pettiness does seem to abound. It's the tone of um like we're the adults in the room, you yeah. and me, Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> we're going to manage Florence Pugh, exceptionally accomplished and talented yeah. actress because she's the one being difficult again, Shia mm-hmm. LaBeouf. Mm-hmm. So just not a good look. (laughs) So how much of y'all unpacked the whole spitting situation? Like, do you think Harry spat on Chris? There's no unpacking to do. The video clearly shows him spitting. I have watched the slowed down version and I was like, I guess in like what some would call a technical or real way, he did not spit on that man. But emotionally, he did. And that's really all that matters to me. Okay, so there is an emotional truth is what we'll say. That's all I ever want is the emotional truth. Right, that's all that really matters. Yeah, it's it's a real win for fact-based journalism. We'll just say that. <laughs> Something I'm fully supportive of. <laughs> Let's be clear. So this movie is set to release September 23rd. Are y'all going to go see it? I like have yes. to now, which is 
I mean, I I was kind of always going to see it because mm. this drama has yeah, been same. brewing for like, like almost a full year at this point. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. it, it has had me in a chokehold. And you know, the least I can do is you know toss my I don't know sixteen dollars at it and sit down and look at something that Harry Styles described as a movie. Um, <laughs> like what? Like, a real movie, it's a real movie, movie, movie Christina. Christina. A real movie, movie. It's, and you know, it's the kind of thing you want to go to the uh, theater for. And I'll, I'll go. Why not? Which reminds me of the uh, the the best meme that I have seen come out of this is uh, someone took that Harry Styles mm-hmm. quote and they put it over the footage of the Nicole Kidman <laughs> yes. AMC theaters pre-roll, and that is just art. Like that's a movie, movie. Like. That meme is what I go to the movie theater to see. Okay, so in other entertainment news, uh, the new Lord of the Rings show dropped on Amazon Prime last week. It's called Rings of Power, and the casting is way more diverse than the original Lord of the Rings. Uh, And racist people are really upset about it, perhaps unsurprisingly. Uh, There is a claim that it is not historically accurate, which does seem a bit ironic to me given this is a world with dragons in it uh christina <laughs> both ironic and also specious <laughs> also specious also. so yeah um christina are you you are a lord of the rings fan right i'm a lord of the rings fan i am a black woman i'm really like looking at this uh drama and it is mm. that kind of it is one of those things where i'm just like yeah guys you're being dumb of course yeah. these people are being dumb and they're not <laughs> taking this in good faith and they're going to make all of the excuses that they want about tolkien's intent and the way that the mo- the the books were written and what yeah. it, it doesn't matter no the, it's made up he made up the damn yeah. world we're making up new stuff it's fine everybody take a breath it simply can't be this deep i just can't imagine having this many passionate feelings about anything <laughs> Oh, that's not true, Christina. We were just talking about the Don't Worry Darling drama. Celebrity gossip aside. (laughs) Yeah, it just seems so shocking that anyone would, like, give that much of a fuck about, like, can't we just have nice things, you know? I truly, I truly wish it seemed shocking. Yeah, it is the least shocking part, I will say, of the whole thing. It's frustrating, but that's an obvious word to use, too. Deeply frustrating. yeah. It's just a lot of people not unpacking the distinction between like, well, this seems like it's not going to be exactly the same as the thing Mm. I love. And um, therefore, I am going to make, again, racist and specious assertions. You saw the same thing happen when the diverse casting was announced for the first season of Bridgerton. Mm. Yes. Um, And I think there's one sense where people who are accustomed to consuming culture without thinking about the implications of it for the wider world are like, ew, gross. You're getting worldly implications into my escapist mm-hmm. fantasy. And it's like, yeah, unfortunately for you, those worldly complications are there for most right, of us all right. of the time. Right. And in the hands of thoughtful uh, creators and filmmakers and storytellers, it's a wildly enriching Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. right not a like oh no like this isn't fun anymore there are brown people here which is a real yikes sentiment it's just one of those things where it's like how do you not hear how that sounds to you it is as we say in the biz a real rum tum bummer (laughs) 
yeah, it's a huge fucking rum tum bummer. So, Christina, are you watching the show? <laughs> so, I have not watched it yet, uh, exclusively due to the fact that um, it is going to be a household show, and my, one of the members of my household <laughs> was felled with the with the COVID uh, oh, and has been in isolation. The dread COVID. So, we uh, now that the home can be together again, uh, mm-hmm. we will be diving in to all of the things. Very excited. Cool, Margaret. Have you seen it? I haven't, but frankly, knowing how many people are bummed out about it makes me so much more interested in watching it. (laughs) Now that I know there are people I can upset by being enthusiastic about it, I'm just like, that sounds like fun. Yeah, that is a lot more fun. Okay, so the other thing I want to talk about is a little close to political news for my general preference, but stick with me here. As you know, the FBI (laughs) is investigating former President Mm -hmm. Donald Trump. That's a name I have not said on the show in a very long time. A federal judge granted Trump's request for what is called a special master to help sift through documents. And that is the phrase that I would really like to focus on because (laughs) I just am fascinated by the idea of a special master. Uh, The New York Times just did a great little explainer about it. They describe a special master as someone a judge can appoint when a case raises a complex problem that requires specific expertise and says they can perform tasks that are so time consuming that a judge or magistrate judge doesn't have the bandwidth to handle them. So this got us thinking like, yes, I get they're, you know, occasionally used in super complicated legal situations. But what if I had a special master to like help me clean out my pantry or mm-hmm. figure out meal planning mm-hmm. or something? So I don't know. I was thinking that it would be kind of fun to ask y'all if there was like a specific avenue of your life where you think you could really use the help of a special master. Margaret, what do you think? Well, I have crippling executive dysfunction. Mm. So really narrowing this down to just one was, you know, both extremely hard because there are a lot of areas this would mm. be applicable and extremely hard because narrowing a list down to the number one most prioritized actually thing, a thing you could use a special is a thing for. you can't really do if you have executive dysfunction. So what I brought it down to was two finalists. One was just like someone to like go through my mail all mm. the time, shred all of the uh, the credit card offers I haven't requested. They're like big mailers and they're like floppy. And it's like if I just lackadaisically feed it into the shredder, uh, the shredder gets jammed and then I need a special master to unjam the shredder. <laughs> However, it is now September. The seasons are changing and much more pressing is like I need a special master to rotate my yes. summer clothes out and yes. my autumn clothes Cute. in. I was thinking, what I need is the special master to tell me the point in the weather where like I can do that without having regrets, yeah. you know? Ooh, that would be huge. <laughs> Christina, what do you think? I mean, I think I also, much like Margaret, went right to like, ooh, if someone could just go through like the papers, there's just like <laughs> the papers that I have. Which is funny because that's what they do is the documents, you know? I, I, yeah. You just start I want to keep them, you know, where they're best aligned. And I do want to mm. say like, can you just like look at this? Like what is, what is this? this? <laughs> like why do, like I have it, but like do I need to have this? And similarly, if you could also just kind of, if someone could just manage my money for a little bit, so I don't mm. have to do uh, that, that yeah. would be incredible. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that I, yeah. um, as a thirty-three-year-old adult, am responsible enough to <laughs> have my own, you know, bank account information. So if someone just wanted to like take over for that, like for like a three-month period, and just kind of get me back on track, that would be incredible. Mm. I mean, Christina, it sounds like what you actually want is a conservatorship. <laughs> I do actually. <laughs> I do. Honestly? I don't want to be in charge of it. You know, or just 
parents, you know, but like parents who just did shit for you mm. instead of like imbue moral fiber into yeah. you or whatever. Yeah, I do love the idea that we're all like, ooh, I simply need an adult. Uh, yeah, that is pretty funny. I do. Could I just get like one grown up? I'm not qualified to fill that role in my life. <laughs> I get like a single grown up, please. It's funny because like I think of myself as like very like independent and highly functioning. However, like yeah, if someone could just help me make some decisions on a daily basis, mm-hmm. that would be super. Like, what should I make for dinner? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> Greta, we we are independent and highly functioning. It's not our fault. Capitalism was never designed to have one person have to do all of this nonsense. Just a 40-hour work week and the basic responsibilities of being a grown adult in this world, they simply aren't compatible. I can say as a person who was like semi-recently laid off that like also turns out being <laughs> unemployed and having responsibilities also not compatible turns out not- <laughs> responsibilities simply aren't compatible no matter how much time you have on your hands turns out that's that's fair yeah that's fair, yeah, fair. yeah this is us uniting in our independent highly competent yeah. way to create anti-capitalist change yeah, we're just gonna be special masters for each other wow that was really beautiful we got there <laughs> i'm like a little touched honestly <laughs> Christina, Margaret, thank you both so much. You're my favorite special master. Oh, you're ours, Greta. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. This was an absolute delight. In just a minute, W. Kamau Bell and Kate Schatz tell us about their anti-racist activity book, Do the Work. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Our next guests are two of my favorite humans. They've each been on the show several times over the years, and they are super delightful, radical people. They just teamed up to write a book called Do the Work, an anti-racist activity book. They are Kate Schatz and W. Kamau Bell, and they are here now. Hey, you two. Hi. Hello. So there's like a very extended subtitle of this book. It says it's an anti-racist activity book for all the people overwhelmed by racial injustice and white supremacy in America who have taken some action and know they can do more, but don't always know what to do or how to do it or are afraid of getting it wrong or not knowing enough and are left wondering, what do I do? Which I feel like sort of says it all. But in case people are still like unclear what the point of this book is, come out. What's the deal? Well, yeah, first of all, I think the subtitle maybe is my fault because I went to the Fiona <laughs> Apple School of Titles. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot there's a lot of great books about anti-racism out there and mm-hmm. ways to be an anti-racist. But we really, as parents, we really wanted to lead people through by the hand the way that like those great brain quest books do for kids over the summer. Like, all right, mm. let's just try to get let's just try to start you somewhere so your brain doesn't turn into mush and slowly build you up to a place where you can complete this work. So that's really where it came from. Well, and you even say, too, that the idea is you're kind of bridging the gap between like the people who are buying the books and hopefully reading the books and then like actually taking action. Yeah. 
Yes. As we say, no bad ideas in a brainstorm. There's lots of ways to create mm-hmm. an anti-racist society. And this has as many ways we could come up with in 176 pages. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's awesome. So this book has all sorts of activities you learn about, which indigenous groups used to live on the land. A lot of us live on now. There's an exercise exploring different kinds of privilege. There's like an image search thing where you can find all of the items in a picture that were invented by black people that most of us didn't learn about in school. It's packed with information, but it never feels dense. Um, And it's a book about white supremacy, but it also manages to be funny and fun. Kate, in the intro, you say uh, we will definitely end racism by telling jokes and coloring. I think that is like sort of a joke, but like many (laughs) jokes also carries a lot of truth. What do you think, Kate? I I mean, exactly that. Well, I think we took a lot of risks with this book. We're walking a lot of fine lines. Like Mm. it's a funny activity book about white supremacy. Like how the fuck are we going to pull that off? Sorry, I just swore on the podcast. (laughs) That's Uh, totally cool. You're allowed. (laughs) You know, both of us are using humor in different ways, uh, you know, to get at something that is deadly serious um, because humor is a powerful tool. It's also one of the most effective ways that we can connect with each other and engage people uh, around content that uh, people don't really want to engage with. Yeah. Kamal, it seems like, I mean, as a comedian, you spent a lot of time thinking about sort of like how to... I don't know how to make this stuff palatable. Is that a fair way of even putting that? Yeah, I mean, the quote I've been thinking about a lot recently is the making the revolution irresistible. I think that's mm. what I'm trying to wait to like, look, I know we don't want to talk about this stuff, but we have to talk about this stuff or the all of American civilization collapses into the ground. <laughs> so, like, why don't we try to figure out a different way to talk about it? I think about like yeah. a lot of kids entertainment does a great job of this. Like, you know, we have a whole section on apology about how to how to make a good apology and how to make amends. And Daniel Tiger figured that out in one sentence saying, I'm sorry, is the first step. Then how can I help? So like for me, it's like putting that sort of kid content brain on and going like this is things we as as parents, we understand that a kid song can sort of translate a lot of information very quickly. How can we sort of translate a lot of information very quickly and effectively? Uh, about anti-racism is there like an ideal age range you pictured for this book or is it really just kind of like anybody anybody yeah i think we were very clear that like as much as these workbooks read like they're for kids adult it's more and some people like oh you this would be perfect for children no 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 Mm. it's perfect for you it's perfect for you (laughs) (laughs) stop trying to pass the anti-racism this off to someone else yeah yeah can i hand stop trying to hand off the anti-racism work to the next generation (laughs) we need to do the work so they don't have to do as much work right another thing i find really remarkable about this book is how how much you really emphasize i think kind of speaking of apologies like how important it is to say it's okay to not know stuff it's okay that you still have room to learn and grow Kate, can you talk a little bit about like how important that is, especially, you know, as white people in this world these days? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, what I would say to that is that I think that for for a certain type of white people and the type that I mean is the uh, the progressive, liberal, uh, highly educated ones who want to be anti-racist and, you know, want to be good people. Um, and see ourselves on the right side of the history and real know-it-alls, and we don't like to be wrong. Um, and I think that there's a way in which we forget how to learn and we forget how to be curious and that a lot of people can feel really, um, when they encounter new information or something that they didn't know, uh, especially when it's around history, like maybe something that you didn't realize or didn't know, or you never learned yeah. about, there can be this kind of defensive shame response of, uh, I didn't know that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a good person, mm-hmm. um, you know, or the instinct is to just act like you already know everything. <laughs> so I think with this book, we, you know, we wanted to make it um, feel good and okay to be curious and to learn new things. And again, it doesn't mean you're 
they're horrible, it means you have right. a really great opportunity to do some really good new deep learning. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you talk super clearly about how this book is meant largely for white people. Um, and, you know, even just as you say that, you're, you know, you're describing sort of like the well-intentioned, like well-educated liberal white folks who like often think that they are, you know, it, do you ever wonder like if a book like this just ends up being an echo chamber or do you feel genuinely like there's enough work to do in this space that like it it still is making an impact? I mean, I would say this, that like, if it is in the echo chamber, the echo chambers, like, like we can scream louder in this echo chamber. So I feel like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, really, one of the things that me and Kate really prioritize in this book is the idea of like giving people homework. And I do that with United Shades, mm. too, like really making yeah. sure that like, you don't just watch the show and go, man, that story's real sad. What can I invite you to do in the real world that can help make this better? So, you know, so I think that in the book, it's no different than the BrainQuest books. There's actual homework in there. Now, if you buy the book and don't do it, that's on you. <laughs> like, you know, like, so at the end, there's a certificate you can fill out to say you did the work, but it's all a joke because <laughs> if America's still racist, then the work's not done. And we're really saying for me, like, this is no different than reading a book about working out. That's not actually the, mm. the work. You actually have mm -hmm. to do the workout after you finish the book or as you, you know, it can't just do, yeah. you can't just do working out while you read the workout book. Yeah. And, you know, the echo chamber is just ideas, right? And so the whole point of this book is, okay, here's a bunch of ideas, but it, like Kamau said, now here's what you're going to do about it. So great. I'm happy to, again, yell louder into the echo chamber and have part of that mm. be now get out of the echo chamber into the world and actually do something. Yeah. So you two, how long have you two been friends? Uh, we were put together by an anti-racist lab that's funded by George Soros. <laughs> so we actually, this is the first time we've ever oh, okay, been in the same great. room together. Yeah. Nice well, to in that case. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were, no, we, we both live in the Bay Area. We're both parents. We're both like mm -hmm. engaged in activism, Kate at different levels than I do. But, and we, and we both are in this sort of like media industry. So mm -hmm. there's this idea of like, you hear about each other and then you sort of cross and then you're in the same room as each other. And then it's sort yeah. of naturally like, oh, I'm, I finally met you now. Let's be friends and let's do things together. And so. What was that? 2014, mm -hmm. I guess it was that we've been in each other's lives since then. Oh, that's really cool. So what was it like to work on this book together? I mean, I imagine you both kind of had to confront some internal biases of your own as you're working on it, right? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was a really relaxing time. It was 2020 <laughs> yes, or 2021. Yeah, um, totally. A lot of that, the majority of the dialogue in the book is us having a real time conversation and sitting and working on the book together and really talking mm -hmm. through all of these ideas and having a conversation that we kind of just transcribed and edited for clarity. But it's really what we were talking about, um, again, during that really intense time. And I mean, absolutely. There were like confronting our internal biases and assumptions and learning new things and, you know, really kind of grappling with uh, these ideas that we didn't come up with. Also, mm -hmm. you know, we did none, nothing mm -hmm. in here. Um, this anti-racist ideas, these theories, mm -hmm. these concepts, this is not our uh, our groundbreaking work by any means. We're building off of years of scholarship and activism from so many, uh, so many great minds. We just were really trying to do this process of how do we kind of take this content and find new delivery methods uh, for, for new audiences that really need it. Mm. So the book came out in July, you've gone on tour for it. What was feedback like as you as you did that? I mean, I have to say that when you said this book came out in July, it just took me like good five seconds to remember what month it actually yeah. is right now <laughs> i was like is that what a long is time, time ago is that like, is that kind of <laughs> is that now is that Arguably, soon I don't yeah know. who can say <laughs> i mean i was there was a we were in dc at an event at the mlk library and afterwards uh, uh a woman comes up to a black woman and she's like so is this book for white folks 
and I, and we had talked about it during the event. And I was like, well, it is definitely a one hundred and one approach to racism, and we <laughs> all know that that means that white folks are the ones who are going to benefit most from that. And she's like. But okay, but is it so it's for white folks? I was like, well, it, not everybody starts in the same place. We all come from different, so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's mm-hmm. only for white folks. But she's like, but it's generally for white folks. I go, yeah, sure. She goes, I am tired of having to explain racism to white people. I go, great, you don't have to anymore. That's what this book is for. Send them a link to this book. And she was like, and, and suddenly all of the sort of the the anger, she's like, she sort of realized, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, I get the place where she was coming from. I'm tired of being mm-hmm. a black person who's living my life and having a oh white person tap me on the shoulder and go, explain Juneteenth to me. And you're like, I just mm-hmm. heard about that yesterday or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, and so the idea being that, like, we're the people who are the professional explainers of racism to white people. You shouldn't have to do that job. And I recognize that that's not a job you signed up for. That's amazing. I love it. I can't wait to spend more time with it. Kamau, Kate, thank you both so much for chatting with me. Oh, thank you, Greta. Good to talk to you again. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you, as always, for listening along. As you may know, Book Club is back for the fall semester. We are doing Gabrielle Zevin's Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow this month. It's great. You're probably going to love it. If you've already read it, we would love to hear from you so we can play your voicemail during our panel chat later this month. It is never too soon to send in a voicemail. You can do it by recording yourself on your phone and then emailing the file to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. Maggie Sivett builds our newsletter every week. Our executive producer is Brendan Banaszak, and the show is produced by me and Anna Bauman. We will see you next week. It feels like a like a movie. It feels like a real, like, you know, go-to-the-theater film movie. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.